If you enjoy this podcast, like and subscribe to the IBM podcast channel on Anchor, iTunes, or Spotify for weekly updates when all of our new content drops. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Welcome, everybody, to the backdoor cover NFL show, because apparently PSA wasn't a good enough name. Vince shot it down. So we're back, literally, backdoor cover. Uh, without my co-host, Keith Fleming, or typically the host, Keith Fleming, uh, when we do football season, I like to give Keith his space to focus on DFS. Um, him and Joe are pretty good. They have a really good show. Uh, Keith earns some, some decent money doing that. So I told him, you know, let me handle the, the gambling aspect here. You stick to DFS because you're you're doing pretty well at it. So, again, it's a solo show. There's going to be a lot of ums, a lot of me kind of rambling. I'll try to cut in with some uh, announcements and, like, commercial breaks just to kind of keep the flow going. But we are back. Week two, NFL. Um. Let's get it started. So um, I wish I could be very optimistic. I wish I could brag about how good I was last week, but it was a week from hell. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, the worst part was the games that were winning for me were not in my super contest, like the 49ers game. Um, I did say I was taking the Niners no matter what. And they won and they covered, but they were not in my super contest. And that's just how it goes sometimes. You only get five options. And unfortunately, I picked only two winners in my super contest. So let's do that review real quick, okay? All right, so here we go. Oh, you motherfuckers. As always, starting with the losers, uh, the worst loss for me, the real gut punch was the Pittsburgh Steelers not covering um, I think I had it at five and a half, six. It doesn't show on my bookie on the super contest. It doesn't show the closing line. It just shows if you won or lost. But I'm pretty sure on the on the show uh, last week, I did say something about taking them at least by a touchdown. I actually thought they were going to win big. I mean, in, in these scenarios, typically speaking, West Coast traveling teams don't do well on their first game of their East Coast swing and I got. I don't know what happened. I mean, you could say it's because T.J. Watt got hurt. Uh, my cousin was actually at the game, and he said that you know when T.J. Watt went down, it just kind of took the wind out of the the sails. But looking at the game uh, via red zone and, and um, following the stream, it didn't look like at any point the Steelers were control in control of the game. They just looked outmatched, outworked, and um, you know you got to give you got to. Tip your hat to the to the Raiders. I mean, at least for me, I didn't expect them to win. This is the second time this season. I didn't expect them to win, and it's the second time this season they won. And frankly, winning in this scenario was very impressive. Uh, going into Pittsburgh and, and beating Pittsburgh in a situation where they typically succeeded was very impressive. Uh, I did say on the NFL show in talking with Corey, because Corey picked 
Corey picked the Raiders to cover. And I said, you know, it would be the most 2021 bullshit if the Steelers don't cover at home against the Raiders traveling from the West. Like this is like all the factors were favoring Pittsburgh. These are the scenarios where Pittsburgh usually covers. Like they, they have that first home game and, and it's just usually an automatic cover, honestly, during Tomlin's tenure. But, you know, you win some, you lose some, and, and this was a loss and it just hurt. So again, no real explanation other than the Steelers just didn't have it. Uh, my second loss, all right, might have been worse than the first one. The second loss was the Seattle Seahawks at five again. Maybe I should stay away from that number. Uh, but this was definitely at five. Um, I think it went up to five, five and a half. But I, I know for a fact I got this at five. It was one of my key games. Also, just to double back, Steelers were my best bet, my best bet last week. Uh, so we can chalk that up to an 0-1 best bet. Stupid. I'm not going to let you get the chance. So not going to do it again. That's right. Pittsburgh, you're done. I'm done with you. I'm not ever making you the best bet again. I don't care if you play the Jets. You won't be the best bet. Um, but, yeah, Seahawks, I really thought this was a good spot. Once again, we're talking about their first home game against the Legion of uh, – or, sorry, the Legion of Doom. They're gone. Uh, it, their first home game in front of the 12th man. Um, you want to talk about heartbreaking. And and that long pause is for, for dramatic effect. <laughs> the Seahawks were dominating that game. Now, I, I'm not one to, to count anything um, in sports when we're talking about football or basketball because – as we all see, momentum is is a is a crazy thing, man, and, and it can happen at any time. So I was not counting it as a win, but I was very optimistic when Seattle took a two touchdown lead or or yeah, it was like two touchdowns into the half. Like I'm like, okay, this is looking good. Enter I don't, I don't even I don't even want to do this, but I, I mean I got to I got to make fun of myself just a little bit. But enter Derrick Henry. Second half, Derrick Henry kicked my ass. Not only did he kick my ass, he kicked Seattle's ass, and then he kicked he kicked everybody's. Ass. He's just, he's just a monster. I have never seen in professional sports a running back in the last. I can't remember the last time I've seen a running back come out in the second half and just play like he did. He was just a fucking beast, man. Um, to the point where I just I just had to sit and, and marvel at the fact that he could not be stopped. Um, Seattle was outscored. I had it written down here somewhere, I think, on my note cards. But, um, oh, yeah, Seattle was outscored 24-6 to in the second half. 24 to 6. If you count the second half and the um, field goal in overtime, 24 to 6. That is incredible. You might even count that as a bad beat. I I don't even want to count it as a bad beat because I feel like that's just a a smack in the face to what Derrick Henry just did. But essentially, Seattle was Mark Ingram in that picture that you guys see that meme when Derrick Henry is standing next to Mark Ingram. Like that was. Seattle was Mark Ingram. It just, ooh. Um, Impressive performance by um, Derrick Henry. He continues to defy all odds. 
um, and logic when we're talking about big running backs in the NFL. Um, I think I said this on our um, show Monday, like the recap show, but it's it's definitely a, a testament to his his workout regimen and, and him taking care of himself that he just continues to get better um, each year. Like his his peak should have been gone two years ago, and he's he's getting better. Um, so kudos to him. Big win for Tennessee, man. Um, I, I mean, I don't know whether I want to bump them up or down as far as like how I view them, but you know, Seattle left the door open and and. They left the front door open, and Tennessee kicked in the back door. So it literally was like that kind of game. It doesn't doesn't really matter. I don't think Seattle could stop the momentum or, or the train that is Derrick Henry in that second half. And so it's one of those situations where um, when we get into week three, I kind of explain my um, thought process on on whether or not I want to back Seattle this week and whether or not I want to back Tennessee this week. So I'll get into that a little bit later. The third loss, which again, oh, you motherfuckers, Kansas City Chiefs. I have a I have a love hate relationship for Kansas City. Um, they are to me what the Warriors were um, when they first started going on their run before Kevin Durant. Like it was the t- it was my darling gambling team. Um, if I could get the Warriors back then, if I could get the Warriors anything under double digits, I was putting my house on it. Like they were just a good team ahead of their time um, that people just were slow to catch on to. Patty Mahomes kind of had that his first year or so, but you know, the last, since the Super Bowl basically, or since, um, yeah, pretty much since the Super Bowl against the, the 49ers, the Chiefs never really, they don't get that Tom Brady in his prime Belichick type lines. They don't get a whole lot of like double digit, like super high lines. So you're going into Baltimore, a team that historically they have beat and and covered the number against. Not typically any real problems when Baltimore is is healthy. We're talking about a banged up Baltimore. Like I'm pretty sure that even their practice squad is hurt right now. But it was just a scenario where I honestly thought that this might get ugly and it's actually started out that way. Kind of again, a situation where you, if you were backing the chiefs, you were feeling pretty good about it. I mean, Lamar started with a couple of interceptions, uh, patting them, removing the ball. I will say um, real quick from a schematical standpoint. Um, I think part of the reason why the, the Raiders, I mean, the Ravens have always struggled against the chiefs is because they refuse to get out of that man to man. Um, it's their DNA. So, you know, it's kind of like, if you're going to beat this, you're going to really have to work for it. Well, when you got receivers where the fifth guy on the roster is, is running like a four, four, he's the slow one. Um, you typically get killed if you play man to man. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and look at it, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time where the Ravens like committed to a zone based defense. And, um, I think they, might have played man to man and and put extra pressure on Patty like five or six times. Maybe it was a little bit more than that. But they had a stat on on the game about it. Essentially, Patty was perfect versus the blitz and and man to man coverage, but he struggled against the zone coverage that they were doing. And um, they committed to playing primarily zone. It allowed them to come back, 
And then the ending was was even more awful. Like there was no cover in that game uh, for me backing the Chiefs at at just the field goal. Um, they were down by one um, on the last drive, and they were playing to kick the game winning field goal. So it was it was dead either way. But uh, kudos to the Ravens for winning that game. Uh, Lamar balled out the second half. Um, great turnaround. Has had some pretty sweet plays too the jump throw and, and things like that. So um, I'm not sure how far the Ravens can go. Um, sometimes teams rally, especially when they play at home, they'll rally a week or two, but it's it's just an impossible task to sustain losing such a, a large amount of your roster and then people expecting you to not only win, but cover the number. Uh, but I don't know how many times we're going to get Baltimore in an underdog position anyway, uh, and it probably would be just against a team like the Chiefs uh, right now. So if we do find ourselves in that situation again or something similar where the numbers are a little low, I'll probably flip and, and back Baltimore and give them the respect that they deserve. Uh, but, again, you just kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. I mean, I know people have angles that they take. I just don't see the angle that would have told me that I should back the uh, Baltimore Ravens in that position, especially – uh, with with the Chiefs coming in, um, in in this scenario, I'm pretty sure it was like a similar scenario last year, and, and they covered the number. So, figured all things all things considered, you got injuries. It would have it would have worked in my favor, but it didn't. Um, the two wins I did have, uh, one was very good. Uh, probably kept me from from really having a bad week. Uh, I was. My best bet that I gave out on Sunday, uh, or rather Tristan gave out on Sunday. So shout out to Tristan. He better be asleep still, but shout out to Tristan. Uh, Panthers uh, getting three, three and a half. Um, I took the Panthers points and I took the money line. Contradicting my Jameis Winston love, but the key here was just the news about the Saints coaches. Uh, it was at least seven to eight coaches that were out with COVID. I just didn't sit right with me. So, I mean, I figured Rule and uh, Joe Brady, like that that organization right now, the Panthers organization right now, they're, they're doing all the right things. And uh, I didn't have any issue with backing them. Even historically speaking, uh, they were tough against the number, um, against the Saints in these situations. And I just thought that all things considered, this was the better team and they were getting points at home. And so I took that chance and, and I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, disappointed. Uh, their defense is surprisingly good this year. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to jump on the train and say they're super dominant, but they have been dominant in the two games that they played, which was against the Jets and the Saints. So you can, and you can say the Saints without half of their coaching staff, but we will see uh, tomorrow when they play on the short week. Um, if they can continue that, it's a favorable matchup tomorrow as well. So, uh, again, we'll see where, where we're going to land there, uh, or at least where I think it'll land. And um, Panthers are in my power rankings, which I must be missing a card here because I had I had all my notes in front of me, but it seems like I'm missing a card. I can't even blame it on my four-year-old. But um, in my power rankings, off the top of my head, I do believe I had the, the Panthers pretty high uh, just because of – how impressive they've been against the number and, and the expectation of where they would end in both of those games. I do believe the Panthers are one of the the top 
um, plus sides against the spread. So, so as far as the expectations have gone for the first two games, I think they are at least like 11 or 12 points higher than what was expected. And they're two and oh, so, uh, that's a, that's a good thing. And in one of those games, they were favored. I do believe they were, they were favored against the Jets. So again, it's, People might say it's just the Jets, but there's been a couple of teams favored, like the Browns, against a team that they should have beaten pretty convincingly and they didn't cover. So um, if we're talking about against the spread, and I'll get into this in the next segment, um, we really need to start considering that bad teams are covering right now, and it's early in the season. So uh, you can't really, you know, discredit anybody per se, like, oh, they just played the Patriots or the, sorry, they just played the Jets. or they just played the, the uh, Colts or whoever else, like, well, hell the Colts covered last week. So again, you just can't really discredit people uh, just yet. We're almost at that phase where we can start saying like this team is trash, but I think there's still some great areas here uh, leading into week three. So I'm going to hold off on calling people uh, trash to, to a degree. Okay. Uh, the next win was, of course, my boy Teddy. Teddy covers. Whoa, Teddy. My boy Teddy doing his thing out there in Denver. Um, shout out to Guy, Teddy Jams, Teddy covers. Um, I'm wondering if I can get that on a shirt or or kind of get that going viral. Just change the lyrics around to Teddy covers and see if somebody will, will pick up on it. But anyway, um, not really shocking. I mean, again, I think the Broncos are the best team against bad teams. And if we can continue to get them at that low of a number, which you'll see this week, they're not anywhere near that number. But if we can continue to get them that low of a number, home or away, it doesn't matter to me. As long as Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback, I'll take that chance um, every day. Okay. So uh, Broncos slightly, slightly overrated just because it was the Giants and the Jaguars. But again, Teddy is historically speaking almost seventy-one percent against the spread. It's insane, and he's just been a cover machine everywhere he's been. So uh, again, good good to back him. So um, if you've been keeping track, and unfortunately I have, I went two and three last week. I'm four and one week one. That brings my total in the um, super contest to six and four. Uh, obviously didn't gain any ground with only two wins this week. Fell like a hundred spots. It, it's fine. It's 15 more weeks of action. So I'm not too worried about it, but either way, six and four on the season so far is, is pretty good. Uh, none, nevertheless, I mean, that's 60%. It's just not good enough. When you're talking about NFL gambling and these super contests, they can be tough. Uh, this week, uh, hitting into week three, what we're going to do in the next segment, I'm going to, break down just some of the trends from week two and then um, just go game by game and see, you know, where we are as far as like what I'm leaning and, and what I expect to do. Uh, my survivor contest made it. I had the Buccaneers last week, so I'm out on the Buccaneers and the 49ers for my survivor contest. I do have a survivor pick this week. Um, if you guys want to follow that as well, um, and, and I will reveal that in the next segment as well. All right, so we're going to do a quick PSA here, not not the title, but an actual PSA here, and then we will be back with um, our week three. 
IBM Sports also offers an opportunity to support the brand and get additional membership perks. Right now, you can join the IBN also via Patreon for as little as 3 to $5 a month. You'll receive exclusive access to PFF grades and information as well as my best bets, which range between 56 and 65% for the month on all sports, including horse racing. There's also extended group perks like commission for the day and mutes to dish out to rival team fans. Check the main page announcements for all the details. Here we go. Week three. All my gamers know that's the Tech Mobile injury sound effect. Uh, week three, you got to make sure you check the rosters, man. Some of these injuries are, are bad. Um, obviously, our first game on Thursday night, uh, injury plays a, a key role into um, who I want to back or who I'm considering uh, to back and, and things like that. So make sure you check the rosters. Make sure you um, – are up to date on who's practicing. Uh, one of the big things about the NFL is that guys guys won't practice sometimes until Friday. Um, honestly, my rule of thumb is if if I got a if I got a game on Sunday and my guy hasn't done a walkthrough um, until Friday, then I'm I'm going to be a little down on the prospect of him playing. Um, some of that depends on the player as well. Uh, guys like Brady are always on the injured list, but not actually injured. Uh, Julio Jones is infamous for not participating in any kind of practice, uh, but will suit up and do a walkthrough on a Saturday and then, and then come out and try to play on Sunday. So, again, some, some people have that history uh, of fighting through certain injuries, but, you know, what we're talking about this week with some of these guys, I don't think anybody could fight through that. So let's uh, go over the trends from week two. Underdogs still had a good week. Uh, underdogs with nine and seven against the spread. Uh, that makes it 21 and 11 on the year so far for underdogs. 21 and 11 on the year for underdogs. Now, what I'm telling you now, I think any any person following the gambling lines and, and gambling in general would say that's abnormal. Not abnormal for this time of year, but abnormal uh, for that to be sustainable. So at some point, you're going to expect this to get closer to like the median, which would be like 52, 53% or something like that. So you're going to expect that to kind of like even out. So I say that to, to just kind of put it in your head. It's a trend. It's a healthy trend right now, but at some point it's going to go stale or at some point you should anticipate it going stale. Uh, so ride the trend as long as you can, but don't expect that to be gospel come like week five or week six. Okay. So right now we're, we're still in that, in that gray area with some teams where we're trying to figure out just how good they are against the number, just how good they are in general. So um, I'm not trying to discourage anybody from taking risks. We're still a green light for shooting your shot at long shots or, or underdogs, because again, they're still winning the day, but they were 12 and four in week one and nine and seven in week two the median is coming, okay? So um, let me see here. Let's jump on the first game of the week, which will be Thursday. Uh, you guys will get this podcast um, 
bright and early on Thursday morning. Um, the line is at nine right now. Um, the Panthers are laying nine on the road on a short week against the Texans, primarily because Tyrod Taylor got hurt. Now, I I know this is going to be kind of weird, but I'm a little worried about about this number. I think it's a big number for a short week, and I get that the Panthers have been playing exceptionally well, but we still have a quarterback who is turnover prone in uh, Sam Darnold. Now, we haven't seen that just yet, but do we really trust Sam Darnold uh, as a two-score favorite in Houston when we you know, for better or worse, the Texans still found a way to cover after Tyrod got hurt. Um, granted, Tyrod played a significant part of the game, but Mills and and that defense, I mean, they didn't give the cover away. Uh, we've also seen them um, just dominate the Jags in week one. Uh, this is this is Sam Darnold's first road game this season. I think that's something to consider as well. Uh, I know in college football right now, a, a healthy trend is fading teams um, that are favored in their first road game. I'm not sure if I need to look at that um, for the NFL, but short weeks always bother me. And at some point, and I want to say it's after week three, so somebody can fact check me on this later, or I might fact fact check myself later and I'll post it in the all-star group for you guys. But it, I do believe after a certain week, home teams get a lot of love against the spread. Like they, they cover a significant amount and it might be later in the season, but uh Thursday night games typically favor home teams. And um, I'm not sure if I'm feeling the Panthers by nine, just, just something about that number being that big, uh, leads me to believe that a backdoor cover, no pun intended, could be possible. And that's why I labeled that a, a kind of a danger game. Uh, it's one of those games that if you don't have to play it, I would probably not play it. Um, and I usually look for something soft on Thursday to add to my super contest, but I'm just not feeling this particular game right now. Uh, not going to be, overly shocked if the Panthers go in and, and blow them out, but also not overly shocked if the Texans somehow cover. I don't think they'll win, but nine points is a lot for, for Sam Darnold. It's just, just a lot. And yeah, first road game, you got a team that like a lot of times in these scenarios, they rally behind their backups. Um, and the Texans have already shown that they they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. They're not afraid of anybody. Uh, they just again grinded, grinded out a uh, twelve and a half cover last week against the uh, Browns, who are a much better team than the Panthers. And now the Panthers are coming into town, and, and they're laying nine. So, just doesn't seem right to me. Uh, I would keep an eye on it. If you play it, good luck to you. I'm gonna pass on that game. Um, one thing about Davis Mills, if, if you guys kind of want a little bit of info about Davis Mills, a lot of people don't know who he is. Uh, he was a quarterback at Stanford. Kind of a basic guy, but uh, I did scout him um, to be one of my outliers, uh, or outliers just, just to always try to kind of scout somebody that's like fourth or fifth round uh, projected just to see if there's potential there. 
Um, part of the reason why I am not totally shocked about Dak Prescott. Didn't see him, obviously, with this kind of ceiling, but again, knew he had the potential. Um, Mills uh, can run an offense if you keep it simple, keep the routes easy to pick out as far as like who's open. Um, and then anything short to intermediate, I'm thinking like five to 10 yards. He's got accuracy. Uh, he can make it work. Uh, I'm not, I'm not confident he can handle pressure. And uh, right now the Panthers are getting pressure on quarterbacks, but I think with an, with a week to prep or a couple extra days to prep, not a week, but some couple extra days of practice to prep and just kind of get reacclimated with the speed of, of how the NFL plays, he, he could potentially cover the number and catch lightning in the bottle. Uh, so we will see on that note. And um, like I said, me personally, I'm not going to play it. Uh, but if you want to, that's perfectly fine. Over-unders at 43. I wouldn't touch the over on this game just because, again, even if the Panthers don't show, you're still talking about the um, you're still talking about a, a backup quarterback with the Texans. Um, I don't expect him to to lead them to more than 24 points if that, and I don't expect the Panthers to give up more than 21 to this Texans team. So, if t- the Texans cover is probably going under, and I'm leaning to a Texans cover, so I'm gonna lean to an under on this uh, particular game as well. Not sure what the opening line was for the over-under, but I do know the opening line um, or the the line at the beginning of the day today um, that I was seeing was around eight. So it's up uh, it's up a point. So if you want to take the, the Panthers, you probably want to just kind of keep an eye on the lines. If it goes up to nine and a half to 10, you, you just waited too long. But um, if you, See it go up to nine and a half, and you think nine wasn't necessarily a bad number, just by the hook. All right. Um, game number two. Interesting game. Interesting game here. Arizona Cardinals are visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Arizona Cardinals are laying seven and a half over unders at 52. I don't think, I don't think me personally that I like the Cardinals. Um, against the number right now, but oddly as that may be, they they covered against the uh the Titans week one on the road. Uh historically speaking in the Colin Murray era, they haven't been awful on the road against the number. Uh, a lot of those games though have come with the Cardinals being as a dog. Um I am still on this idea that the Jacksonville Jaguars are a team that's just internally dysfunctional. I don't care what what Urban Meyer might say. I don't care about Urban Meyer's um, history as a coach. I am a little concerned that he said to Vic Fangio that the NFL is like playing Alabama every week, which if that statement is true, and I don't think Vic would have a reason to lie, it's kind of shocking that somebody known to be so detail-oriented would be um, taken aback by the competitiveness in the NFL. So, like, maybe he's in over his head. Um, there's not enough defense on the Cardinals, even with the Panthers' offense sputtering at times, to make me want to take an under here. So I kind of like the over. Um at 52, I, I mean, 
if it's at 52, you're looking at the Cardinals offense probably being um, anywhere between 30, 30 and a half. Uh, I would take the Cardinals side over uh, 30, 30 and a half, thinking maybe they can get 31 or more. Uh, and then um, if I had to pick, I would pick the Cardinals to cover seven. I don't like the seven and a half. This would be a signal for me to tease this line because I I don't anticipate the Cardinals would lose. Uh, but if we can tease it down to almost a pick em or or just like basically like one point, that's to me is a perfect scenario right now. Um, if the Cardinals win, even if the game is close, they typically do something dramatic at the end. They'll win by a field goal or something like that. Worst case scenario in my mind. Now, I know people say any given Sunday, but again, I just think there's a lot of flags there saying that the Jacksonville Jaguars are a dysfunctional team internally. And at some point it's going to spill out on the field, something terrible. Uh, if they don't run the ball more, it's definitely going to spill out on the field because poor Robinson is just not getting used at all. Um, no key uh, stats there or anything crazy um, for that particular game. And so, like I said, I don't have a nugget for that game, so we'll just let that be. Um, going to the next game, Indianapolis Colts are visiting the Tennessee Titans. Uh, the Titans are laying five at home, fresh off the big win in Seattle, good comeback. I'm going to roll with the Titans here. Um, not willing to make this my best bet. Um, actually, this week, my best bet is going to probably scare a lot of people. So um, when I get to that point, um, I definitely <laughs> will make sure I announce it. But I'm not willing to make this my best bet. But if there was a ranking, it would be my second or third best bet uh, this week. Um, I think the Titans are going to roll the Colts here. Uh, more of a fade of Eason um, than anything else. I think it's just the perfect scenario for uh, a Titans blowout. Like, they feast on shitty teams and, and the Colts without without Wentz. I know people are down on Wentz, but damn it, Wentz is better than Eason. And um, Wentz had the team in a position to cover against the Rams. Um, and, you know, one could argue maybe in a position to to push uh, for a potential upset win uh, last week. All in all, what I know is that the Colts covered the number against the Rams and Wentz played the majority of the game. And when Jacob Eason came in, his very first drive, he threw an interception that sealed the game for the um, Rams. So I'm not trying to get in front of this Derrick Henry train at five. I'm I, not really sure what that's about. Maybe it's a fade of the Titans defense, but at this point, I'm not sure that the Titans defense is, is um, something that should concern us against, again, Jacob Eason, the guy that's very limited um, in what he can do. So seems seems easy to me, um, which those games, if, if you ever say that, it's almost like jinxing yourself. But um, I, I think we, we're safe here to take that five. Um, and it, it'll probably go up to about six, six and a half, maybe even seven, honestly. Um <laughs> For the for the Titans, over under at forty eight. I don't like betting overs with backup quarterbacks. Um, and and I mean the Colts defense is. I don't think they're going to give up like thirty plus points, which you would probably need 
upwards to 35 uh, for uh, 35 points from the Titans to, to cover the 48 here. Um, I would be surprised if if the Colts move the ball. Um, hell, I'm even leaning, even looking at this line, thinking off the top of my head, um, maybe doing a first half play on the Titans as well. Like again, I just think that I just think they're going to come in with that momentum and just roll the Colts right here. It's a division game too. Um, they're not afraid of their teams in their division. So again, it just seems like a, a game that would be um, a, a key game for the Titans to, to show up and, and play well. Um, next game. Ravens traveling to the Detroit Lions. Ravens laying eight. Man, I tell you, um, oh, the over-unders at 50. I know some people, I was reading some people considering backing golf and backing the um, the Detroit Lions here, and I got to tell you that um, I can't do it. Part of my reason for that is that I am um, – I'm big on X's and O's, even though I, I gamble. And I think there's a lot of gamblers or people that I see that gamble that don't really know football, uh, but they know gambling. And I know in this scenario, a gambling scenario, we're talking about eight points and all the injuries with the Ravens. It seems like a game that you could get a down game against the Ravens, especially when they're coming off that high of beating the Kansas City Chiefs. But schematically speaking, if the Ravens are able to pressure Jared Goff, this could be bad for Lions backers and the Lions in general. I love my boy uh, Sewell. I think he's he's going to be a great talent at tackle. And I got to say, the Lions, the Lions uh, offensive line in general has played better than I expected this year. But there's just something about the the blitzes that the Ravens can dial up, um, and we I mean we even seen their corners able to to stick to um, stick to the Chiefs in his own concepts that they were running. It just just strikes me as a game that could be um, ugly. Um, Ravens or Lions are, are talking about shipping Jamie Collins, which is a little concerning because I always thought he was going to be like their their uh, key linebacker. Not sure what they do great on defense besides give up points. <laughs> and I'm not sure that uh, the Ravens offense can be stopped by a team like the Lions. So um, a game that I will once again say I'm not trying to to bet it unless I have to. But another teaser option in my mind, um, if we could tease this down to two, um, anything under a field goal um, for the Ravens, maybe even combine that with the Cardinals there. And I think you, um, you're really getting um, some good value. Um, I, I have a uh, underdog teaser coming up in a few too, that I, I think could be a good tease as well. But um, yeah, Ravens at, at eight right now, I think is a, is a teasable option. Uh, the over under at 50, not, not sure where I would lean on this. Not sure how much the Lions are going to give me on offense. They have actually moved the ball well, though, all things considered. Um, and they were key in my uh, overplay uh, for Monday night, which I didn't talk about that in my recap, but I didn't use it as one of my uh, 
one of my super contest plays. But I had the Lions Packers over 50. I, I even let it go up two points and still played the over 50 and, and it cleared pretty easily, but primarily due to the fact that the Lions did their part of and, and they moved the ball early. They scored early uh, and that was key. But once those adjustments came, they fell apart and they didn't cover the 11th. So I think that's going to be typical what we see in this game with the Ravens. Like it, it might start out a little tight, but then the second half, the Ravens will wear them down offensively and defensively and, and get that cover there. Um, so I hate to do this because this is my boy, but um, here we go. Danger zone. Washington football team is visiting the Buffalo Bills. And the Washington football team is getting seven and a half. These are the games, and I'm just putting it out there. These are the games that the Washington football team plays well defensively, and people start talking about top defense in the league type stuff, and they cover the number. Um, I think I saw this as high as eight, maybe. Um, I mean, the Bills destroyed the the um, the Dolphins last week, and they probably should have, all things considered. Tua went down, and and I mean, I don't think even before Tua went down, they were having any struggles, but it was familiarity there. Uh, they do do well against their division opponents uh, in the last couple of years, and, and the Dolphins being one of those teams that they do do well against. Uh, I was leaning uh, Dolphins cover last week, I, and I hyped it up by saying that, you know, the last, what, like three, five games or something like that, the only cover has been in Miami for the Dolphins versus the Bills. Uh, obviously, that didn't play out, and, and like I said, Tua getting hurt didn't help the chances of that either. But the Bills still don't look that great on offense. And if they can't force turnovers and if the Washington football team can move the ball, I think we got a good chance for an ugly defensive game, a low-scoring game, a game decided by field position nine times out of ten, and and we could get, again, a situation where we're talking about maybe a potential backdoor cover. Uh, You got to – you know, we got a small sample size this season. We just got that one game against the, the Steelers. But Big Ben, the Steelers were very open about the fact that their defense won that game for them against the uh, against the Bills. And the Bills, after that uh, first half, the adjustments that they that the Steelers' defense was able to make, and it wasn't like they were getting, like, crazy pressure on Josh Allen. I just, I just don't – I don't think that the Bills are a top team if they cannot run the ball. They need to run the ball, more so to give their defense a break, more so to give their offense a legitimate rhythm. Like Josh Allen throwing the ball as many times as he's doing is not good for that team's rhythm. They need to establish the run. Uh, I think that the run defense on the Washington football team is probably their best asset. Uh so if they can find a if Chase Young and, and, and Sweat can um can really get some pressure and play to their potential, which you expect at some point they're going to they're going to get better uh as a unit. Um at least the interior and uh exterior defensive line are gonna get better. But um you 
might end up with a backdoor cover here. Um, I will say, um, is the Heineke? I think is his name. Doesn't have great numbers against the spread. He's only had what two starts. Uh, he's zero two against the spread, but they win games, or they or win games. Well, they won the game last week. Um, and you know, you had that impressive uh, playoff game um, against the Bucks, which still trying to make some sense out of that. But uh, yeah. I wouldn't call this a letdown spot for the Bills because they still want to kind of um, they still want to establish themselves after that first home loss. Uh, but again, what I'm looking at here is the under 45 and a half. That would probably be my play. Check the weather uh, if it's if it's going to be typical Buffalo type weather where it's windy and, and there's a chance of rain or something like that. It would set up for a perfect ugly game. Uh, I don't usually give DFS advice, but Stefan Diggs should have a monster game because they cannot cover anybody. Um, and with that being said, I would anticipate they would do their best to keep them out the end zone nevertheless. Uh, so um, moving into the other 1 p.m. games, I think we got a couple, several more 1 p.m. games. I, I'll try not to drag this out because um, I don't I don't want to um, – I don't want to make these podcasts go, but so long. Uh, but here we have the other 1 p.m. game, Saints against the Patriots. Uh, Saints are visiting the Patriots. I talked about this last week, and, I, and I'll say it again. I really want to see what, what this guy, Mac Jones, is about. Um, last week he did he did okay. Uh, it's a little concerning that his his uh, yards per pass or was about like 4.6 or something like that. All, all like awful check down uh, type or what people would call in air quotes a game manager type uh, performance by him, but he's efficient and that matters, especially when I'm talking about uh, covering the number for me. Um, interesting enough, the Patriots probably should be the uh, underdog here. Uh, or maybe even a, a little lower than three, but I, I think people are, or odds makers are low on the Saints and for good reasons, you know. Uh, not only did Jameis not look good, but they couldn't do anything with uh, Kamara. Uh, but when you got a talent like Kamara, you expect them to bounce back. That's what scares me the most is that the Patriots defense hasn't been that great against the run. And, I mean, Sean Payton and, and this, Sean Payton's still a great, like, um, game manager or, or gets his team prepared. Um, I'm, I'm really leaning towards taking my points with the Saints. Uh, it's a similar, similar line with the Dolphins from week one, and the Dolphins were able to cover the number. I know Jameis had a bad game, but again, I, I think Kamara is going to have a, a monster game or, or the Saints are going to have a, a different approach and, and going to find success running the ball. And um, all things considered, this is still a rookie quarterback. Um, I, I feel like this is a little disrespectful. Um, I'm not sure if they're just trying to like, if they're just trying to, coax the public into taking a team that's popular with, with it being the Patriots. And then, you know, obviously Matt Jones has been playing very well. Uh, but again, like I said, it's the averaging four yards of a pass isn't, isn't going to get it done. 
um, every week. It'll get it done against the Jets, but I don't think it'll get it done against the Saints. And so um, I'm, I'm going to, with the idea that road teams have been covering left and right, I'm going to take my points here with the Saints. Um, and I'll actually add that hopefully um, I can get more than three, maybe get a bump to three and a half, but I, I doubt it. Um I'm going to lock it in on my super contest at three right now and, and just check the line. If the line goes up, all you got, like for me, all I got to do is just take my um, pick back and just take the higher line. But I want to lock it at three at least because um, this line might go down. You might see the Saints uh, get close to, to even even money because, um, again, I don't I don't think this line is, is, is an accurate line. Over under 42. Not sure I want to take an over on a Patriots game at home. Um, that bend but don't break style of defense that the Patriots play is still very live and active. So uh, also, like I said, with the idea that the Saints will probably attack on the ground a lot more against the Patriots defense, I um, think we're, we're teetering to an under here. Um, so I would stay away from it. Um, 9.26, still at 1 p.m. My... Not my best bet. This isn't my best bet. Sorry, I almost threw y'all off. Not my best bet, but um, a game that I am very eager to play. Chargers are visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the line right now is six and a half, and I do actually have um, an interesting tidbit here for everybody. So here we go. Four of the last five Chargers versus Chiefs games have been decided by seven or fewer points. Four of the last five Chargers versus Chiefs games have been decided by fewer or seven or fewer points. I'm telling you right now, six and a half is too many points for a division opponent um, this year for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's too much. Now, the Chargers can very well not cover. Uh, they can very well lay an egg. But even if this does not hit, I'm telling you right now, this line is too high. Um, it's just it's just too high for for a team with the offensive capabilities of the Chargers going against a defense like the Chiefs. If we're talking about a shootout, then it's not going to be a, a seven point difference. It's going to be about a field goal, maybe four points because the Chargers might kick a field goal and the Chiefs might score a touchdown. But it's not. That's not a touchdown difference. So um, I, I don't I don't like this line at all for the Chiefs, uh, and this was one of my underdogs that I was thinking like if you can tease it, tease it. I really don't think that this is going to be a, a blowout. And, and again, even if you even if I'm wrong, I believe that the data would support that if they played nine out of ten times this year, that these games would typically be settled by three to four points. And the difference being that the Chargers might kick a field goal while the Chiefs go down and score a touchdown. But it should not be more than a touchdown. Six and a half is a little tricky. I don't want it at six and a half. I would obviously buy the hook and get it at seven. But if we could get more people to, to, to buy in and, and this line move up to seven, seven and a half, that would be great. But I think that's just asking for a lot. Um, similar to when I took the Browns at five, five and a half underdogs, I will take the Chargers with an extra point. Um, I think the Chargers are better than the Browns right now. So if I got five and a half with the Browns and they cover it, I'll take six and a half with the Chargers. Uh, coming off that loss, I'm not too worried about the Chargers. I, I think they travel well within their division. Um, 
coming off that loss with the Chiefs coming back. Um, I don't think their defense is going to answer any more questions than what we already know about them. And then the offense will do their thing. But again, we got a healthy Bosa. We got Derwin James. Um, I, I think we have a Chargers team that's still unappreciated a little. Uh, against the spread, uh, Chargers on my power ranking were almost in my top five. They break even. Uh, so they've played about what people expected uh, against the number. Dropped last week, um, beat the Washington football team uh, as a two-point underdog on the road. I like them here, uh, get, getting as many points as I can get. So bump that six and a half up to seven, and, and I'll be a Huckleberry. Uh, the over 54 and a half, it's not really worth it to, to take a shot with it. But if I had to take a shot, I would probably play the over. But it's still kind of high, even though I think it'll be a shootout. Uh, typically speaking, these Andy Reid games slow down a little bit more in the second half. Um, so you might want to keep that in mind. I think Andy, especially if he gets a lead, he'll definitely try to run the ball a little bit more. Uh, the gutter bowl Falcons against the Giants. <laughs> Falcons visiting the Giants. Giants, uh, laying three against the Falcons. Do, do I have to pick? <laughs> do I have to? Um, what the hell, man? Let me get the Falcons money line. I mean, I don't like the Giants. I don't like Daniel Jones. I don't like Joe Judge. And I've already had the most epic you got a minute fam rant about the NFC East. Um, Falcons are 0-2. Uh, 0-2 teams typically do fairly well in week three. So there's a little number there. Um, that line usually rolls even higher um, when we're talking about division games. And I'll, I should have explained that when I was talking about the Colts. But um, either way, historically speaking, teams that start out 0-2 typically fare well in week three. This has the potential to be a shootout uh, with the over-under at 47.5. Probably take the over. I know the Falcons' offense doesn't typically travel well, but they, they had a pretty good showing as a team against the Buccaneers last week, and I think they carry that momentum into this game. Um, let me get them plus 130 money line. Uh, obviously, with the plus three, I would take as many points as I can get, um, and I know this might shock some people, uh, but, yeah, I more of a fade of the Giants and more of a fade of the fact that I, I just don't like Daniel Jones and, and the rest of this team. So, uh, like I said, what the hell? Give me the Falcons. All right. Um, we will take a quick break here and then come back and cap off the rest of the week. After a week of key injuries, you don't want to miss this week's weekly daily fantasy football podcast with Keith Fleming and Joe Matt. You can also catch the IBN College Football Podcast live on Facebook and YouTube. The audio only for the College Football Podcast will feature on Friday mornings. This Sunday, we will be back with our NFL Sunday morning kickoff show and the new feature, Monday Night Recap. As always, subscribe to the IBN Podcast channel so you can get notifications when your favorite show launches. All right, so we are still on the 1 p.m. games. We only got two more 1 p.m. games and then a couple 4 o'clocks, and then we'll break off on the Sunday night and the uh, Monday night football game. All right, so we just did Falcons-Giants rolling into Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns are hosting 
the Chicago Bears with Justin Fields making his first official start. Uh, the Browns are seven-point favorites, over-unders at 45 and a half. I, you know, Justin Fields playing in his first start would probably be um, a fade for me if he wasn't playing in his first start in Ohio. Um, I think that's a, more of a boost than it is a, a, a detriment to him. Um, he should see a lot of fan support there, actually. Um, I would like the number higher than seven, seven and a half. Get as many points as I can with the Bears. You know, that Chicago defense isn't bad, man. And one of the things about the Chicago defense that I think that makes them dangerous in this situation is that they can create turnovers. And Baker Mayfield will turn the ball over. Interceptions or fumbles, like he's shown that he's got a knack for that. Uh, For everything that the Browns are, are supposed to be, they can't really do shit without running the ball. If they can't establish their run game, they're not a good team, actually, which um, I probably need to go back and downgrade them on my uh, on my power rankings, or at least in my head, the power rankings I have. Um, but I know this is weird to back a rookie quarterback in his first road start. I just, I just think that this particular scenario with him being in Cleveland um, isn't going to be as hostile of an environment as he would face if his first road game was at Lambeau or, or anywhere else, you know, and you, you might call me crazy, but I think this is a, a good fade opportunity of the Browns. Again, they just haven't been that great against the number uh, as favorites. And and that's something that people should consider. Uh, so, I'm gonna rock with uh, I'm gonna rock with the Bears here. Uh, that's my lean right now. I'll take as many points as I can get. I don't foresee this going under seven, um, but again, this Chicago defense might show up and, and, and really shock some people. And like Justin Fields has playmaking ability, he just gotta avoid Miles Garrett and, and Javion Clowney, <laughs> which I chuckle saying that because that's a lot to ask. But I I, I believe in the kid. It's a, it's a little early, but it's like I said, it's more of a fate of, of Cleveland as a team and their ability to not cover the number much as a favorite uh, in recent memory for me. Uh, so I'll go ahead and take the Bears to cover here. Uh, the uh, And I should have marked that um, actually as a danger zone game, but um, I forgot to hit the button, so ignore that. Uh, when I get a producer or somebody to run the soundboard for me while I do this, um, it'll be a little bit smoother, so I apologize. Uh, let's see. The last 1 o'clock game, Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bengals are three-and-a-half-point underdogs. What the fuck? Actually, don't I, have, don't I have that sound effect? The what the fuck? Yep, here we go. What the fuck? What is this line? The Steelers are only three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Bengals. Now, last week, well, if, you watched our, uh, if you watched our Sunday morning show, I highlighted the fact that the Bengals have an abysmal number uh, on the road. Uh, like It's like they're one in, like, 22 or something, something crazy like that. Essentially, they've got, like, 22 losses on the road in the last couple of years. It's... I mean, they haven't been a good team in general in the last couple of years, so I guess that should kind of be expected. But like, 
it didn't get no better last week. <laughs> it is not gonna get any better this week. In my in my mind, three and a half is is almost like saying that this is virtually a pick'em. <laughs> That's crazy to me. Like, are the Steelers really that bad? Um, I have to check the status of TJ Watt. Obviously, if he's not gonna play, and I think he had a growing injury. I haven't heard anything, but also I haven't been looking. But um, if he's not gonna play, that that does suck and would obviously affect the Steelers' defense. But we're still talking about uh, a Cincy defense that isn't that great and a Steelers team that has good history at home. I'm even willing to to say that I'm going to stick to the Steelers covering this number and winning uh, for the simple fact that the one constant in Mike Tomlin's career or tenure as a Pittsburgh coach is that when his team is trash a week before or when they're like inexplicably bad, they bounce back fairly quick next game. Um, so in my opinion, this is a gift. This is a gift. I know Big Ben isn't the best Big Ben that we can we can get, but three and a half at home against the Bengals, man. Like I know the Bengals are feisty, but dude. <laughs> This is, I just think this is a crazy line. Um, almost like it's, it's got to be a trap. Something's off. So I'm, my lean right now is Pittsburgh. Uh, I'll, I'll check, make sure everything's a go with, with TJ Water or just in general half the team. Uh, but I don't see how the Steelers are. This almost seems like an overreaction from the week two loss against the Raiders team that, like I said, was impressive. Uh, but like sometimes that shit happens. And it shouldn't be overcorrected like this. This is crazy. Uh, but, yeah, you don't have to jump off this shit with me. But uh, more or less, like I felt about the Niners last week, I'm just I'm just going to lay the points with the Steelers. And, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I I can't back the Bengals in this position right here. I just can't do it. Um, so now we're in the 4 o'clock games. Uh, Miami Dolphins are traveling to the Las Vegas Raiders, the 2-0 Las Vegas Raiders, which have been, like I said, one of the most surprising teams. Got a nugget here. In the Brian Flores tenure, the Miami Dolphins are, let me make sure I get these numbers right, the Miami Dolphins have covered 17 of 23 games against the spread under Flores. Uh, They have not lost consecutive games, I want to say, since week one and two of last year. And the Raiders are 0-4 against the spread as a favorite since coming to Las Vegas. Healthy trends, kind of, sort of. The caveat here is that we don't have Tua. Uh, the caveat is when Tua hasn't played, the Dolphins have typically looked better. <laughs> so, um, Derek Carr is playing great. How much do we trust this this Raiders team? I mean, we could argue that they should have lost against the Ravens, and they definitely outplayed the Steelers. But, you know, guys rally around Jacoby Brissett from time to time. Not, you know, like in every spot that he's been to, um, he gives you one or two games early on where, you know, you want to believe that he could be an NFL starter consistently and it just kind of bottoms out around like the fourth or fifth game. I mean, you know, get call me crazy, but road teams are covering. 
I'm, I'm a big Flores guy. I like the Dolphins defense to create confusion um, against somebody like Derek Carr, who has been playing well. Don't get me wrong, has been playing well. But I think this is a, is a position where, where I'm going to gamble on this median that I've been talking about coming back to the center. Like the Raiders are playing exceptionally good football, well above the expected like ability of them. Like not saying that I expect them to lose a lot of games, but again, talking about last week for sure, I think this is kind of an overreaction to last week and an overreaction to Tua not playing. Because again, when Tua hasn't played, typically the Dolphins have played okay. There's not much drop-off between Jacoby Brissett and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Give me my points. Uh, I like the healthy trend there. Give me my points uh, with the Dolphins. Wouldn't be somewhat surprised if they outright won, but that's a possibility as well in this scenario. But I definitely will take my points uh, with the Dolphins um, as we see it now. The over-under at 45, not really trying to touch that. Don't really have an opinion on it. I think the play here is the spread. Um, and if you want to take a shot with the Dolphins money line, go for it. But definitely the spread. All right. Um, a line that should be teased, most likely. Uh, New York Jets are visiting the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are laying a fat number. Ten against the lowly Jets. Got a nugget for you on this one, too. Since 1995, I know that's a long ways to go, man. But since 1995, when Vic Fangio was defensive coordinator, he is 19-9 and versus rookie quarterbacks. He's already got the scalp of, like, rookie Peyton Manning. Um, he got Trevor Lawrence's scalp. He's got a couple other prominent names on there when they were rookies that he's defeated. And now he's going against Zach Wilson of the four interception game Zach Wilson that looked like the bad version of Jake Plummer uh, last week. So not looking good for the Jets. Uh, Broncos defense is playing really well. Uh, expected that. I mean, you expect that from a Vic Fangio team in general, like Vic Fangio knows defense. Um, Teddy Bridgewater can run the offense. They've got playmakers on both sides of the ball. They know how to sustain drives. They know how to control the clock. They know how to force turnovers. They know how to be efficient in the red zone. They know how to beat bad teams, and they've shown that. Case in point, the Giants, the Jaguars, and now the Jets. I don't want to lay the 10. So, again, this is a scenario where I would tease it. Um, but if I if I had to, I would. I would lay the 10. Um, not expecting much out these Jets, man. I, I don't even expect Wilson to, to necessarily have a better game. I would be surprised if he didn't throw two interceptions. Um, the walls are closing in on him pretty fast, and this assignment isn't any easier than Bill Belichick the week before. And this defense is better. So, uh, And on the road in mile high. Um, so, uh, good luck to the Jets out there. Good luck to you guys that want to back the Jets. Teddy covers, and I'm sticking with it, all right? So here we go, ladies and gentlemen, my best bet for the week.
I'm a hater. We all know that. And I'll say that before I get this out. But this is not coming from a position of hate. I promise you it's not. It's really not. Tampa Bay is visiting the Los Angeles Rams in Tampa Bay's favor by one and a half points. This is a trap line to me. I don't care what it is. It's a trap line. It is a trap line. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is frauds. F-R-A-U, capital D, capital S, frauds. They are frauds. They have allowed, I want to say, um, let me check, let me double check. I'm going to fact check myself right now. Quarterbacks against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have thrown for the third most yards in the NFL at 703 and they've given up five touchdowns in in two games um and one of those quarterbacks was Dak Prescott who's playing out of his mind Uh, the other one was Matt Ryan last week and this week we've got Matthew Stafford who seems to be in sync with uh Sean McVay and they sport one of the toughest defenses against the pass and there's no AB this week. And AB is a, is a key figure for this offense. I don't think, I feel like people are forgetting about how things kind of changed when AB and Gronk came. It wasn't just Gronk. AB allowed Brady a, a safety net that um, Mike Evans just can't be. And I, I know historically speaking, uh, Raheem Morris has not fared well against Tom Brady, but Raheem Morris is also hasn't always been the uh, defensive coordinator. He's been like a position coach and things like that. There was a couple games where he was defensive coordinator. And this was like prime young Brady, but um, I think there's going to be some drop off here. And it's not, like I said, it's not hating on Tom Brady. Think in this situation, we're, we're looking at a team like the Rams playing at home uh, in LA coming off a, a disappointing result um, as far as the number goes, the disappointing result in Indy, I think they cover here. I think the Buccaneers is, are poised for a letdown game, and like I said, there's holes in this defense, and I, and I think this is this is the type of team that they're going to get let down when when they um, when this team gets the ball at the end of the game to go down for a game winning drive. Um, I think they're going to get let down. Uh, Jalen Ramsey and Tom Brady have a love-hate relationship, um, which should be interesting to watch. And again, he doesn't have A.B. Um, I doubt Leonard Fournette will play a big role in this game. He possibly could. Um, Vita Vey and, and Sue would play big roles, but if anybody knows how to scheme around like big guys like that, it's definitely McVay. I'm sure McVay is going to drop something. And I, like I said, I think the Bucks are gonna gonna get exposed. Give me the Rams money line plus one ten. Um, I don't I don't need the plus one and a half. I would tease the Rams uh, here um, to to like which would be like plus seven and a half plus eight. I would tease that too. Um, but I, I like the Rams outright money line here, and and I'm gonna um, I'm gonna lay something on that. And um, hell, I mean, if I like a money line with them. Um, Getting a point and a half, 
I'll probably put them in my uh, super contest as well because I really think that the Rams can win outright here, and and this shouldn't be too shocking. I just think it's just a a good position uh, to back LA um, this this particular week. Um, my next air quotes best bet ish type play uh, is the four twenty five game. Um, the Seattle Seahawks are visiting the Minnesota Vikings. I'll keep it short and simple here. I do have some nuggets for this game as well. Seattle Seahawks versus the Minnesota Vikings. Russell Wilson is 7-0 versus the Vikings. 7-0. The Seattle Seahawks, since Russell Wilson has come to Seattle, are 5-2 against the spread um, against the Vikings. One of those games, I saw the Seahawks essentially win by just kicking field goals. Um, I think Seattle bounces back here. Um, I, I don't think the Vikings have the defense that can slow down the Seattle offense. And if it's just one and a half, uh, my only fear is that if the Vikings have the ball to to go down for uh, like for the last drive, that Seattle defense might let me down. But I'm going to bet on that not coming into play. Give me Seattle here. Um, I like them to win. I know I've been kind of on the fence with uh, picking a lot of dogs this week, but I think this is a particular game where we can we can back a favorite. It's a small number anyway. Uh, they should bounce back here. Um, they should have a really good game. Seattle should have offensively here. All right, so eight twenty game Packers versus Niners. Uh, Packers. The Niners are laying three and a half versus the Packers. As we know, I'm a, I'm a Niners fan. I'm not a homer. I'm, I'm a Niners fan. Green Bay historically doesn't travel that well uh, to the West Coast, even though Aaron Rodgers loves uh, playing San Francisco, obviously for spiteful reasons. I am going to continue to back my Niners here. Um, I'm, I mean, we're talking a primetime game in San Francisco, first home game. Um, these boys should be live. They should be rocking. I mean, I know we, we're going to have, I don't even know, a running back. It'll just probably be like player number 23, player number 25. They're just going to have creative players back there running the ball. But um, Jimmy G should be able to move the ball against a, a basic Packers um, defense. And I know we got some secondary issues for sure, but – Nick Bosa and, and that front should be able to get some pressure on um, on Aaron Rodgers, and I expect us to to probably uh, be aggressive on defense and not let him sit back there and pick us apart. Uh, and and it should be a, a entertaining game. Um, I'll take the three. I'll lay the three. I'm not laying three and a half. I'll lay the three. Um, and think that my team's gonna show up for this home game, and again more of a historical fade. In, in this scenario for uh, me as a Niners fan and, and back, a Niners backer over the Packers, um, I think we just, we've given Aaron Rodgers some fits over the years, um, recent years, and um, I think this is a good spot to uh, to lay the three. Niners have been getting a little disrespected with these low numbers, man, but uh, again, the injuries to running back are, are really testing this theory that anybody can play the position in the Kyle Shanahan offense. Uh, Jimmy G should should be able to be comfortable enough to to pick his spots against this Packers defense, and we should be fine. Monday night game, very 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 interesting game. Monday night game, 
Philadelphia Eagles are visiting the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Cowboys are favored by four and a half. I mean, by four. Over-unders at 52. Man, I'll tell you what. I think the Eagles defense is solid. Um, Having seen them play last week against the Niners, I'm saying our offense is is world stoppers, but their defense was very solid. They did lose a key member uh, in um, Brandon Graham, I think is his name, um, their pass rusher. They lost a key member. That should really hurt them uh, against the Dallas Cowboys, which is unfortunate uh, for Eagles fans and and Eagles backers. Um, He was definitely going to be a key uh, player in their pass rush. I like the Cowboys. I'm high on the Cowboys. If you listen to our backdoor cover pre preseason show, I had Dak Prescott as a dark horse MVP. Um, I don't like Mike McCarthy, but I think there's enough talent in these first couple games that I've seen. There's enough talent to overcome his buffoonery. Not fond of the four. I mean, these division games in, in the NFC East are usually tight, um, but willing to take the risk here, willing to take the risk with the Cowboys at four uh, and and this defense that's not getting enough credit uh, for, for their level of play and high energy. And I love it. I love watching it. I don't, I don't care if it's Dallas. Like I just love to see, High flying defenses hustle. Even when they make mistakes, they hustle. And I, I think that's super key. I think it's one of the most underrated attributes about this Cowboys team. And um, I don't have a problem with what Jalen Hurts has been doing uh, or this Eagles offense. But if if you look at the PFF grades and if you look at um, look at the game last week, it's it's still something missing. Still something missing there that makes me want to, me personally, makes me want to believe that the Eagles are for real. Um, and if they cover this number, then I would I would probably upgrade them um, on my scale of, of what I think is good or bad. But I, I'm not confident that they can cover this number. Uh, another game that, you know, if you can tease it, definitely a, a, a teaser special there if you can. Um, and I would tease the Cowboys. Um before I tease the Eagles. Uh, over under 52, Cowboys been in some high-scoring games, but then, or the last, like, year, they've been in high-scoring games, but I would argue that probably, or I would think that their division games have been lower-scoring, um, and I would have to double-check. Most of that is because, well, they don't play in a, a prolific offensive division. I mean, Eagles, Eagles are not a prolifically high-flying offense right now with with Jalen, their quarterback. Sorry to say that, Eagles fans, but you're not. Um, obviously, Daniel Jones is a goof, and Judge is a goof, and the Giants offense is, is awful. And we're not – we don't even talk about the Washington John Doe's offense. It's always the defense. That's how bad their offense is. So um, I would take the under here, um, but I do like Dallas to cover this week. Not sure if I'll put it in my um, super contest, but uh, like I said, I'll definitely tease it and strongly consider playing it outright. All right, so that is week three. Hoping that we can go better or I can go better uh, than two and three, but um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, DM me, act, actively lazy. I mean, if you, obviously most people know me on the podcast, but anyway, uh, just put that at actively lazy. Uh, DM me if you got any questions about trends or or 
short reports, or even if you have information that I didn't talk about, uh, by all means, share that with me. Uh, we can talk about it. I'm open to, uh, to any kind of help or any kind of like external information that you guys have, uh, because, you know, my sources are not 100% foolproof. And then a lot of this research I do on my own. So there could be some things that I've overlooked as, as I'm learning and, and navigating this process as well. So for the backdoor cover NFL show, this is IBS Eases checking off, and I hope that you guys have some great luck this week. After a week of key injuries, you don't want to miss this week's weekly daily fantasy football podcast with Keith Fleming and Joe Matt. You can also catch the IBN College Football Podcast live on Facebook and YouTube. The audio only for the College Football Podcast will feature on Friday morning. This Sunday, we will be back with our NFL Sunday morning kickoff show and the new feature, Monday Night Recap. As always, subscribe to the IBM Podcast channel so you can get notifications when your favorite show launches. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks.